The Free Pizza Podcast is proudly sponsored by Lucky House MFG. Lucky House is an eco-friendly screen printing and design studio with over 10 years of experience in the industry. They offer high-quality custom printing services, including apparel printing, graphic design, promo goods, and embroidery. Visit www.luckyhousemfg.com to get a quote and to learn more. Free Pizza, your platform for creatives, and today we're doing a redo because I'm an idiot and deleted the files from the first interview, but Natalie Marshall is the best person in the whole entire world and is doing this again <laughs> for me. <laughs> Thank you so much, Nat. I felt so embarrassed when I texted you. I was like, Nat. No problem. She no problem. Cussed, I love cussed, talking about art. She cussed me out. <laughs> That's right. in her head, not to me directly, though. <laughs> But again, Natalie is a paint restoration specialist and a painter. Um, met her through Megan. Uh, you're Megan's, uh, I guess, uh, studio mate. I am. Yes, yeah. yes. I think I saw a painting you had done in her studio. I was like, who the heck is this? It's Natalie. I need to meet Natalie. And then you hit me up for headshots. Yes. And we became homies. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Fast friends. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, been, it's, it's been awesome. That was, that was two years ago when you took those photos? Was that like, oh that was last year. That was last year. Yeah, that yeah, was last it was during, year. Yeah, uh, it was during COVID. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. absolutely. Everything now is during COVID. Oh my God, there's a pre-COVID and there's a after COVID now. That's right, <laughs> that's right. The absolutely. BC is now before COVID, yes. <laughs> Honestly, though, that's hilarious. <laughs> but now we're back here again. Thank you for doing this again. We're going to dive into it. Absolutely. Um, I've heard most of, this, uh, most of these uh, answers, but... We're going to pretend like I have it. <laughs> cool. So, yeah. So, tell us where this all began for you. Where did you, uh, where art start for you? So, I grew up in an art gallery. Um, my folks, uh, well, one, my mom was an artist. Um, she went to school in France for about five years. Mm. Um, and then she, you know, it was always around in growing up. Um, and then getting into a gallery setting, that was just then meeting a bunch of artists and really understanding the collector's mindset and what was, and then what became fun about art to me was um, just not only creating it, but preserving it and restoring it. Um, And then from there, I went to school. I, I pretty much went down the path of, I want to be a painting restorer. Mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily want to be an artist up front because it was, you know, it's 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 a lot of work yes, it and is. it's a lot of dedication. <laughs> yeah. So um, and there's a lot of hit or miss. And I just I felt like it was a little bit easier for me to be more in the background. Okay. And work on paintings yeah. in the back room storage closet. You know? <laughs> At the gallery. <laughs> That's right. So that was kind of, that drew me in. And that was part of the art business that I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, I always liked seeing paintings come back to life. And, mm, yeah. and that was, that was very important to me, was preserving paintings. Right, right. Um, and that being part of culture. I mean, there, there was a lot of that, too, that, you know, you work on um, the tourist art, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you work on a 
17th century master you work on whatever comes in the door you know and so from there I then picked a school that I was like you know I'm gonna pursue a degree here and at the time and even now there's only one school that provides an undergraduate degree in painting restoration and that's the University of Delaware Um, And then there's only three schools that have a master's program in painting restoration. So in order for me to apply, I had to basically buckle down in chemistry. Yeah, yeah. So, and you wouldn't think that chemistry had anything to do with the arts, (laughs) but it is, is, you know, instrumental in restoration. Um, You end up being you know, the mad scientist in your formulas when it comes to removing old varnish, when it comes to um, pigments and matching pigments and what do you use for a binder? What do you, you know, all this, all this stuff that you just sort of, there's, there's um, technique that will be the same, but the materials are always, they're, they're going to change. Yeah. Yeah. You just have to have some kind of scientific knowledge there. So then I went to, um, didn't get in to the University of Delaware. You're fighting, didn't get in, right? Nope, right. didn't get in. Um, Did so, you say why? Um, I think I was just waitlisted, and I was like, oh, I don't really want to deal with that. Probably And it was also, I mean, out-of-state schools are just so insanely expensive. Incredibly expensive. And they told me, they said, look, focus on you know getting an undergrad degree in chemistry and then apply. Oh, for our master's okay. program. Yeah, yeah. And so since at the time there were three schools that had master's programs, I was like, okay, well, that it, it's a little bit better odds given that for an undergraduate it's only one school, this was three, I might have a better shot. So then I went ahead and went full steam into chemistry. I took as much studio art classes as I could. Um, and let's see, about halfway through my sophomore year, um, we had a show at the gallery and all this time I was coming back and forth and I went to school at East Carolina University. I see you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and I was coming back and forth on the weekends or during the week to work at shows, whatever events the gallery was putting on, I was still very much wow. part of the gallery. Yeah. Um, and I was still restoring paintings through college. And then I had, um, so halfway through sophomore year, we had a show of Russian artists um, from the Surikov Art Institute in Moscow. And they basically, they were like, well, what do you want to do? <laughs> and I was like, oh gosh, I, you know, I want to be a painting restorer. Oh, well, we have a program for that. It's new. Um, we'd love to have you. In Russia. Yeah. Oh my God. And this is the kind of school and the whole setup is you have to be invited. Right. To right. a school in Russia. Um, specifically an art school. You have to be invited. So then I, um, they told me, you know, we don't focus on science. Like, that's not part of it. Yeah. Um, this is about understanding and understanding materials and loving art. Mm-hmm. 
So I completely switched gears and went straight into studio art, art history, and Russian studies. Okay. Um, at, in Russia? No, at ACU. So you said ACU when this happening? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. and so they said, you know, finish up your degree and come over whenever you're done. <laughs> like, okay. All right. To Russia? <laughs> yeah. So I then, yeah, I mean, I went full steam into that. Basically, um, had to write my own degree with ECU, which was always, that, that was the fun time. <laughs> that is insane. Yeah, explain that process, too. So um, most universities offer a multidisciplinary degree program. That is typically for um, like people who are going into, um, let's see, what did ECU had it for? Um, it was like a philosophy and writing combination. Like that was what it was mostly used for. Um, but I basically found out about it through. A, an advisor who was like, well, I don't know. Let's just see what this is. <laughs> I was like, you've never done this before? And she's like, no, I've never done this before. And so from there, it was a total, you know, I had to write my own, my own syllabus. I had to. What? Yeah. Oh, I my had God. To, and I had to base that syllabus off of, like, I basically then contacted the, um, the University of Delaware and I said what's your program what's your platform tell me your syllabus so I essentially have a degree that is a minor in like five different subjects wow so I've got a minor in chemistry I've got a minor in art history I've got a minor in studio art I've got a minor in Russian language and Russian literature and that's yeah that's all five so that all comes out to being your degree. Yes. <laughs> Multidisciplinary degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was able to call it whatever I wanted. I was able to, you know, I, I, I could have called it the degree in Snoopy, and they wouldn't care. It was just <laughs> as long as the syllabus was right. But I remember that I had to sit down in front of, you know, it's like, the long boardroom table, and all everybody at the other end of the table is the chairs of each department on campus oh my god and that was probably the most stressful thing i've ever done in my life and i was 18 and i was like okay here we are fighting for it literally fighting for it yeah and i got you know one side of the table was against me getting the degree the other side of the table was for it and i then had to tell one of the (laughs) one of the heads was against it because i didn't have his class on the syllabus. Oh my So I was like, goodness. yeah, sure, I'll put your class on the syllabus. Doesn't mean I have to take it, but oh, I'll put it on there. That's right, yeah. So I built my entire program. I graduated in less than four years. I got out of there. That's also including a full year abroad. Oh my God, what did you study abroad? Russia. Okay, so you, you went to Russia abroad. For anyways. the Russian language, yeah. So sense. I basically was like, I'm. I contacted my Russian language teacher and I said, "What can you give me? Like, can we make a class for this?" And she set up. She built a class for me so that I could go to Russia for eight months, and it was just an immersion language class. So I was able to get my entire credit load for Russian language, which you know, 
being there and being immersed in it, obviously you would learn the language a lot faster than yeah. in a classroom. So I just had really good teachers that were open to me using the system. Right, right. And that's what changed the entire... That was what made it possible for yeah. me to do this. Absolutely. And, I mean, I can't say enough about the ECU teachers that were just like, yeah, this is awesome. You know what you want to do. Yeah, we do don't it. care. Yeah. yeah. That's all you. Yeah, and I was just blown away. I mean, after that you know, sitting at the boardroom table. After that, it was a breeze. Yeah. But um, it it was was a good experience to have, and I do recommend that if anybody does want to go to school, that it it is, you know, the cliche, school is a tool. You just have to know how to use it. Exactly. And you really have to just, and, and, you know, don't put up with the crap. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I mean, it was, it was a good, definitely a good experience. And from there, as soon as I graduated, um, I went to Russia for wow. for actual school. You know. That's crazy. While you were there abroad, did you connect with the artists that you met at the gallery? I did. Yeah, yeah. I spent Christmas with them. I spent, oh, cool. Yeah, I spent. A, and I mean, Christmas in Russia is. Um, it's seven days after it is here. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, so it's into days? I don't remember. January. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they're on the Orthodox oh, calendar. Yes, that makes sense. So, yeah. So it was that was definitely strange. Is that but, weird? you know, yeah, and then having American holidays coming and going and no nobody cares over here, you know? Like, I mean, it yeah. was such a massive culture shock, but I had traveled before but it had always been for like two weeks here or a week mm-hmm. here and um but living there when i was i think i was 19 or 20. oh wow yeah. yeah 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 and then when i went there after i graduated i was 20 turned 21 there but um that was it was such a great time um the Surikov Art Institute was, my curriculum there was basically six hours, six days a week in the painting and drawing mm. studios. Yeah. And then, um, <laughs> and then followed by six hours, three or four days a week at the restoration labs. So three or four days a week, you were 12 hours. Yeah. You were in this institution yes. working. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. In the other six days, you were just there for six hours. Yeah. Which is still intense. Yes, it is. So explain how you were able to get through that and <laughs> power through those hours. Well, it was really, I mean, you just sort of, the the way that schools work in Russia is that you as a young kid basically choose what you want to be and do in life by the age of 10. Yeah, wow. And then you are put on that track. Mm-hmm. So when by the time you get to university, you are, you know, you are living and breathing your path. Mm-hmm. And the idea of leaving that is not, it's just not an option. Wow, so the path you set for yourself 
leaving that is just like it just doesn't happen. It doesn't doesn't happen. Yeah. Wow. And because the Russian government does protect people in the arts, um, they will get paid a stipend. They will have shows. They will have opportunities. No way. Provided from the government. Um... (laughs) But you do have to be the best, you know, and okay. that's the thing. Gotcha. Like, it's, it's not just given to everybody. Okay, I was thinking, like, you get a stipend just because you chose that path. You know, you have to, like, work. Yeah, you have to shit. perform. Yeah. You have to be good. Mm, and you have yeah. to. And, I mean, there's there's so many levels of um, of critiques that they go through. Um and I wish, you know, part of me wishes that I would have stayed and actually gotten... Their school then would have been six years for me. Wow. If I pursued an actual painting or that sort of path as opposed to just the restoration. So if you did both, would have been six years. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So, and I would have come out of that school with the equivalent of a U.S. master's degree in art. In five Awesome. Years. So, and I would have loved to have done that, but it definitely was, you know, just, it, you get numb, you know, after being away that long and just wanting to go back home. Right. And want, I just wanted to work. Yeah. I was like, I want, I know what I want to do. I've learned a ton and I just want to work now. Right. And right. I knew that anything I created in Russia was never going to be mine. You explained that last time, like how you, you yeah. were even heart bringing that stuff back over here. Yeah. So, of... yeah, any of the artwork that I painted or anything that I had worked on was property of the state. Mm. So I would have had to, so I had to pay taxes essentially to bring it out of the country. Even the though it was mine. Wow. Yeah, so anything created there was just, it, it's theirs. Yeah. Even yeah. though I did it. but it And that was something that I was like, wait a minute, what? That's nuts. Yeah. And they chose the value of it too, right? Yeah, six, six little old ladies in a tiny little corner office went through my entire portfolio. And it was lucky for me that they know and worked with one of my professors very well because that professor was the one who we had the show the gallery show years prior Mm -hmm. so he knows my family he actually went in and talked to these ladies and was like you know please don't steal any of this artwork please don't you know all that stuff because they do they steal artist stuff they resell it or they just keep it oh wow yeah, that's so, terrible. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, it's it's crazy, but it, there's no recourse, you yeah. know. So I was really worried that they were gonna take some of my stuff, but thankfully, my professor was stood there. Came back for you, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. And um, I mean, I remember when we had the show of his work, we had um, he had to pay the equivalent of like twenty thousand dollars to get his artwork to come to the United States. Oh, my God. Yeah. And that was during the height of, like, that was 2005, six when it was the height of the Russian art market here in the United States. And so that was, 
I mean, he's like, well, sure, I can do that because he knows he's gonna make a hundred thousand when he gets here. He'll sell it all here. Yeah. Wow, is that still a thing even modern in the current day? Yeah. Well, as far as valuations of of artwork, um, the value of Russian art has maintained. Um, I mean, it's gone up here and there, but it um, it has maintained. That's yeah. crazy. So, yeah. I mean, most original work does maintain its value. Yeah. It should. Well, yeah, it makes unless, a lot of sense. Yeah, Unless exactly. the artist just completely bombs, you know, which <laughs> rarely happens. Or if the artist starts selling um, reproductions of their work. Right. That, that'll right. definitely tank your sales price. But Wow, wow. Yeah. So I know the, the process of restoration was different there than you were taught here. Yeah. So, about so that. Yeah, so as far as um, the the materials themselves are very different. Here in the United States and a lot of Europe, we use, or they used um, a lot more chemicals, a lot mm-hmm. more um, benzene, um, toluene, which is a, another carbon train. But then there's... The varnishes that we use here are synthetic in Russia. They still use a um, unnatural resin varnish, but it's diluted differently. Like they just, it's, it's almost, you get the feeling that it's, they use the materials that they have on hand. They're, yeah. They can't go outside of their country to get the materials. Get materials yeah. But what they use for adhesive was, um, Fish glue, sturgeon glue. Fish glue. Yeah. Okay. So that was, um, it's actually one of the strongest glues on the planet that's a natural glue. Okay. Um, you know, here we have Elmer's glue that's basically based on horse hooves. Um, <laughs> I never knew that. Yeah. And, that was crazy. Yeah. And so that... Let's see, what else is there? So a lot of, so framers, frame makers who do a lot of gold leaf, they use hide glue. Mm-hmm. And that's usually from rabbits. Wow. Um, and then there's hide glue also from horses. There's hide glue from cows. There's variations there. But um, fish glue is only from sturgeon. Mm-hmm. You can only get sturgeon in Russia. Only Russia, nowhere else. Yeah, it's protected everywhere. Oh, gotcha. It's okay. still protected in Russia, but art restorers are the only ones that are allowed sturgeon glue. Right, right. Um, and they use it a lot for their icons and things like that. So that was, you know, panels that were then treated with sturgeon glue then um a gesso was applied then layers of paint then and and it just over time you know the the wood changes it swells the paint cracks so they've been using sturgeon glue since the beginning of restoration there that's crazy that's forever ago yeah so and but it's applied the exact same way like that adhesive is applied the same way our adhesives are here in the United States. It's the exact same process. It's just a different material. Mm. Um, and with the different materials, you might have, okay, well, this can't sit on the painting for X amount of time, but it can sit on it for 
why? Yeah. You know, and this kind of, you just sort of change your formulas a little bit, but the technique is always the same. Same. Yeah. Okay. And um, in restoration, the always the motto is do no harm kind of thing, but you're always going to do something. In yeah. Painting. Yeah. Um, even the most, you know, benign cleaning agent is still going to potentially under microscope damage the paint. Yeah, exactly. Um, so because of that, you know, you just, you just do the best you can, but you, in my education, it was you leave 10% of the dirt instead of taking 20% of the paint with mm -hmm. you. Um, because it's such a fine line between that. And then, um, like, let's say there's a hole in a painting. I was taught how to reweave the canvas. Um, and that was something that wasn't necessarily popular here in the United States because it took so long to that's, do. That sounds tedious. It's very tedious. Oh my gosh, you literally we weave a canvas. Yeah, so you attach, typically what you do is you take um, strands of a woven fabric similar in age to the canvas and sometimes you're just using like the, the edge of the canvas that you're already working on. Yeah. And you attach those to whatever you have left of the weave. And then you just slowly build that back, like, oh you know, lattice on an apple pie kind yeah. of thing. Like, yeah. that's what you're doing. And you build it back up as best you can. But, yeah. Jeez. And then you fill that with, um, with a gesso, um, completely reversible gesso um, or fill. And then I will typically varnish that, which will then hold that fill in place. Mm -hmm. Um, most of the fills are water soluble, um, so they'll move on you if you don't seal them properly. Really? Yeah. So then you, or they'll crack, or they'll, you know, yeah, yeah. They're just a little bit more temperamental to the environment, so you kind of have to seal both sides of them. Then you get out your tiny, tiny little paintbrush, and you just, you just do like, little tiny dots. And, yeah. Yeah. And that's how you kind of make it whole again. Yes. Oh my yeah. gosh, it takes forever. Ugh. <laughs> Jeez. It can. Reweaving takes a long time. I've been working on a canvas now for almost a year and it's it's it keeps it's being very temperamental and it keeps popping. Like the the adhesive for my um for my the the new canvas strips, that's not working and I don't know what's wrong with it. But it's you know, it's just a trial and error for a lot of this stuff. Yeah. That commission f that was given to you? Uh, yeah. yeah wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We'll get back, get back to that in a minute. Because mm -hmm. um, I'm curious how they critiqued your, your work in school. Like, were you working on actual paintings or were you working on fake paintings? Or how did that go as far as critique? So when I was in... Uh, when I was at the Surikov in their restoration department, I basically everybody gets... A painting okay. at the beginning of a the year. A real painting. Yes. Okay. <laughs> With problems or whatever, you right. know, and then it's, okay, here. Fix this. Yep. And then oh. that's what happens. And that's what you're given. And you work on that until you're done. And then they give you another one. Oh, so they just, you're just constantly. 
Yeah. And they're telling you along the way what you can do, can do better, blah, blah, blah. Or... Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and they'll, I mean, they're standing right beside you, and they're working with you, and they're, Oh, you that's know, cool. They're yeah. kind of hands-on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all in Russian, so I, I can talk about painting restoration in Russian, but I can't tell you how to buy an apple, you know? So, <laughs> like... <laughs> I've got a very technical understanding of the language, but that's about it. But yeah, I mean, that was, that's basically the, the scenario there of, of how you get, how wow. you're taught. It is very hands-on. That's there awesome. are lectures, but um, that was mostly about sort of the history of restoration and what has happened in restoration. Um, and yeah. yeah, I mean, it was... It was an interesting school, that's for sure. And I loved it. I loved it's my like, yeah. professors, and it was a lot of fun. But um, I was cool. glad to be back home it's when like, yeah. it was over. So like the transition from, from Russia to here. First of all, was your, was your mom stoked that you went that route? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was... I mean, With her being a gallery left. owner. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, she left exactly. and went to school for five years in France. In France, and, yeah. So she got it. I mean, it's like they know... They've been around a lot longer than the <laughs> yeah. United States. They know what to do. Go, yeah. go find out. Um, but it was interesting. I mean, it was one of those things that even though when I got back to the United States, um, I had a couple more credits that I wanted to finish up for chemistry just because I knew that I was going to work in the United States. So I wanted so you to make chemistry. sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I took a couple more credits and uh, then contacted a couple people um through gallery connections to get a job in restoration in New York. Yes. Yeah. Yuck. So then, <laughs> so then we, I, I sort of got a job. I mean, a, an internship. Yeah. I mean, nobody starts <laughs> off with a job. Right they, away. Yeah, they really don't. <laughs> no, no. You work for free for a good amount of time. Mm -hmm. So, um, I got a job at Chelsea Restoration in Manhattan, and then soon after that, <clears throat> I got a job at Simon Park's Art Conservation, and it really wasn't, you know, it's one of those things where you bring in your portfolio of your before and afters for restoration. Yeah. And it was funny because, you know, they'd look through them, and they're like, yep, 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 okay, yep, oh, that's a nice painting, okay, yep, okay. But it doesn't mean anything, yeah. you know, not until they sit you down in front of a painting and they see what you can do. Right. Yes. Um, and so one of the, so Chelsea Restoration really had me working on things like, um, you know, stretching, restretching a canvas or cutting out linings, doing all the like, the shit work, mm -hmm. but it's what you have to do because then mm -hmm. you can get to the in painting, which is the tiny little brushes and the little dots. And so what I would do for them really set me up nicely for what I was ending up doing at Simon Parks, which was just in painting. Right. That's all I was doing. The final part of the process. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I remember one of the first paintings that I got at Simon Parks was a Butterfield, which is, um, they, he, he's known for seascapes, um, very intricate, um, gigantic boats and things like that and um and there was a hole 
in the sky that needed to be filled and painted. Mm -hmm. And I just remember that took me like three weeks. Oh my God. And (laughs) Simon would always stand behind me and go like, okay, you gotta, you gotta just walk away. Like you're done. You you can't do this. And I was like, oh my God, I just failed. It just, this is terrible. I don't know what I'm doing. And, and then it was like, okay, we'll see you again on Tuesday. I was like, oh. Oh, wait. Really? Okay. So he was like, hey, walk away. Come back. Yeah. You're good. I mean, it's, yeah. And, but working on that one painting for an excruciating amount of time taught me so much. Mm. And from there, it got to the point where I could finish... I think the most I finished in a day was 12 paintings. No, eight. Eight paintings. 12. In the, in, in the end painting stage. Like, yeah, okay, yeah. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, I mean, that's not even... Like, there's, there was another woman who worked there who could finish... I think her highest number was like 28 or something. What time do you get started? I mean, oh my oh, it God. Oh, was, it was a Long 9 days? to 5. It was a 9 to 5. Really? Yeah. So you're in there cranking. Well, and two, I mean, some of it was... so. With Simon Parks, we worked two blocks from Sotheby's, two blocks north of Sotheby's. We were, um, you know, 15 from Christie's. We we could go to Sotheby's and work on something for them in the morning if we needed to. And that was just, you know, quick and dirty. Whatever you could get done, get done. Really? Okay. And then come back. So you were mostly on site for these jobs. Like you're going some to of the them. Yeah, okay. some of them. I mean, given that we were so close to the auction houses, they could just walk them okay. to us. Is too, it Manhattan? Which is what we prefer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, which yeah. is what we preferred. Um, and I mean it was it was a lot of fun. There were definitely paintings that kicked my ass. Mm. Um, but it was all it's all experience, you know, and that was the kind of thing that it didn't matter how long I was or how how many before and afters I would show in my portfolio. It didn't matter any of that. It was just when you're actually sitting in front of a canvas, do you know what to do? Right. And are you intimidated by the name on the canvas? That's what I was going to ask you next if yeah. Rothko's or Monet's, yeah, I, right? Yeah, I worked yeah. on a couple Rothko's. I've worked on uh, Clifford Still. I've worked on uh, Picasso's. I've worked on Dali's. I've worked on Monet's. I've worked on Monet's. I've worked on John Singer Sargent's. I've worked on lots right. of paintings. Right, Um And, but that's something that, it, a painting is a painting. I love that you say that. Yeah. Yeah. That translates to even photo work or design work for no matter who's getting it. It's just the same. You do the same quality job no matter who's, you know, but I get people do get kind of nervous depending on who they're doing it for. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's definitely nerve wracking if you're at someone's house working on something. I mean, I've had to do that. Um, I think one of the dumbest jobs I ever did for restoration <laughs> was uh, it was a Park Avenue corner apartment and they were doing some construction, um, I think across the street. And this woman's housekeeper had left a window open. So I had to go over there with a soft bristle brush and dust all of her frames. 
was like, that's that's all I gotta do. Dust, just the frames. Just the frames, just not dust. the painting. No, just, just just the frames. Literally dusted the frames. Just with, and I was like, this is so lame. Park Avenue. Yep. Wow. Yeah, I mean they were they were nice paintings, but I mean it's not like you can just <laughs> run them over with like a regular duster. Yeah. Um, but she was, you know, it is what it is. So you're just like, okay. Yeah. That's an easy day. That's an yeah. easy job. Yeah. That's so. insane. That's that's hilarious. I mean, it was it was interesting. So I mean, you get that job, and then you get the okay, half this painting is missing. I need to. Oh my gosh. So, have you had jobs where, like, you literally had to restore, like, a large chunk? Um, well, I, let's see, the in-painters that did that, I was more, I was much better at, my in-painting wouldn't show up. Yeah, yeah. So, I was much better at the tiniest, minute in-painting jobs. Yeah. There were some of us at the studio that are phenomenal at replacing large missing areas and they're fast really yeah i mean some of those guys i mean i was super envious of a lot of them because they were just so good at it just to match the style yeah of the original that to me is well and, my and one of my friends there mark is a um i mean he's just phenomenal he's he's really good at copying and mm-hmm. he, yeah, he got so good at that um and I, I can't imagine that that wouldn't have helped with the development of the skill of in painting such a large missing area. You know right, what I mean? Right. Um, but I, it was always, it was always fun to see, you know, to come to work and have a new painting on your, on your easel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was, I usually had work. And what I mean that my end painting wouldn't show up, all of, um, all restoration is visible under ultraviolet light. Mm-hmm. You can see all the changes. Yeah, yeah. So ultraviolet light will penetrate through a varnish and penetrate through an aged paint layer. Mm-hmm. However, if it's new paint, it can't penetrate. So it bounces back. Oh, wow. So it appears black. The paint appears black. Really? Or like a dark blue. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty much in Restorer's back pocket. It's just a UV light that we use to look at any canvas first. Just Before you to do examine. Anything. Yeah, okay. just to examine what work has been done to it in the past. Does it have what's called a screening varnish, which is um, applied typically restoration in the from the 70s all the way up to the 2000s, restorers would use this, and you know, loosely termed restorers would use that varnish to basically falsify what they did to it, mm. cover it up. And what that does under a UV light is that it just makes the canvas look very foggy and smoky, so you can't even see through the varnish. Wow. And that basically is just a red flag of like, you don't know what's under there. Oh, Lord. Yeah. So that's, and, and that's just something that when you examine a painting first, you, you look for things like that. But when I would approach paintings to in paint, it was, 
the most delicate of the tiniest little dot that I could make mm -hmm. that when you do look at it under a black light, you can see it if you're looking for it, but you're probably not going to see it. Yeah. And yeah. that was typically things that were trying to correct um, the actual age or a previous restoration that didn't go so well. Right. Um, and it's just being very critical of what to leave and what to take out. So, wow. and that just comes with experience. You yeah. know, you yeah. have to, you have to know what fits for the painting itself. So that's nuts. That's crazy. <laughs> I guess it's crazy because sometimes you don't have like a reference of what was even there, right? No. See, that's what's blowing my mind. I'm like, how do you even know what to put there? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did. I remember I had to replace, like, an entire part of a robe or something. And I was like, well, let's just... Maybe, maybe it had a fold in it. I don't know. Let's just put a fold. It's got a and fold now. Like, okay. Yeah. Whatever works. Yeah. Have you ever destroyed uh, a painting before? <laughs> I thought I had a couple times. You know, I mean, there are things that you just sort of... You can be very critical of a painting and just be like, God, that does not look like it should be there. <laughs> yeah. And then you look at it under a black light and it looks a little weird. And then you start trying, because a lot of what we did too, like you would clean a painting and by cleaning it, you would use um, like a benzene solution or... Um, um, Something similar to what you would think, like an ammonia. I do not recommend anybody doing this. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. we know what we're doing. Um, but then when you do that, again, you don't want to go past that 10% barrier. But there might be some old restoration that you can't get at because it's still underneath or it's still too close to that 10%. Right, right. So then you stop. You stop cleaning it, you put on your, you know, your, your finished varnish, and then you hand it over to us, the in painters. And mm. then what we do is we take scalpels and we go after the, that restoration, that poorly done restoration. Right, right. And remove that as best we can. And then we take it back, look at it under black light, and then it's just a process of back and forth, Golly. making sure that you don't go past Good. or that you don't go too far. Right. And there are times that I've thought, ooh, I might have gone too far. Go too far, yeah. And and then that's it, you know. But there's a point where it does come to the discretion of a painting restorer. I mean, there's certainly, you know, people will always argue over the Sistine ceiling whether they went too far. Really? Yeah. People who, like, restored those. The whole yeah. ceiling, yeah, and right. the, the back wall. I mean, I think that... I've never seen it in person. Um, I remember mom telling me when she went there what it looked like. And, you know, and she's like, it was completely black. You couldn't see anything. Wow. Um, and then now people who go are like, ugh, it's so garish. It's, it's so bright. It's so, you yeah, know. It's too much. Yeah. And... I don't know. I don't know. Time will tell. I think that there are some 
some restorers who think that they went too far. Some restorers could care less. Some restorers are like, well, they they used the new technology of the time. So, of course, they did it right. Yeah, it looks fine. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Of course, I'm going to... And it is what it is. And then you have the... um, the nun, where was that? Was it in Scotland who removed the face of Jesus and then Ooh, repainted it? And yeah. it basically looked like a, the scream after that, you know? <laughs> so, that was everybody's Halloween costume that year, you know? It's like, oh my God. Yeah. So there's that, you know, that totally happens. Completely. Because, and, and that's something too, is that there's absolutely no requirement or there's there's no certification for restoration. I was going to ask you that too because obviously there's restoration specialists around the country who didn't go to any of these schools mm-hmm. that is doing it. Mm-hmm. So do you think that's okay? Do you? I oh mean, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the people that I worked with, none of them went to. Oh, so this is pretty skill that is learned themselves. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. And a lot of times, I mean, I went to um, the contemporary conservation studio. And talked to him, um, and he is—he's very, very well known. And now I can't even think of his name, which is terrible. But anyway, <laughs> um, he—he um, has—he has a lot of the contemporary, um, modern—well, not modern, contemporary artists in his studio. The ones that are, you know, um, trying to preserve donuts and painting with human feces and that mm, kind of stuff that like okay. you you're as a restorer you are working directly in that studio they are working directly with the artists first when right. they're making their artwork um and basically working hand in hand with them and hoping that there isn't going to be a problem um but that he always would say, you know, nobody in America knows how to use, you know, the the new, they don't know how to use 3M products for mm, restoration. Right. And I'm like, well, I mean, it's not that we don't know how to use it. It's that you're looking for a person with an art degree. Yeah. You're not looking for a person with a restoration degree. Because yeah. here in the United States, we train people for traditional restoration jobs which is working at a museum. Mm-hmm. And working at a museum, you're working on one painting for the entire year. And in my wow. field, like in the, the private field, you are, like I said, you're working on eight to 12 paintings. Easily. Potentially. Yeah. At a time. Yeah. yeah. And then from there, you know, Folks in museums have a completely different mindset when it comes to restoration because they have the luxury of time. They can, yeah, it takes however long they want because they own the they own the, the piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and it's rare too that things in museums actually do get worked on. A lot of times, restorers at museums will have. You know, they'll put their sign out in town to be the the restorer for for galleries in town too because then that that actually keeps the skills up mm-hmm. you know um but yeah i mean th- th- he was just so amazed that no one in the united states was trained with 
modern plastics essentially because all the artists are using a lot of plastics and a lot of resins and that kind of thing and it's like well i i need somebody who can do this like how do i you know like you need an art student and that's what a lot of restorers are they're just art students and 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 they were lucky enough to to become or to fall into a restoration studio and that again comes back to the the work that I did in Russia. I mean, you had to be an artist first right, right. before you could be a restorer. So, wow, that's that's cool. It's crazy how different you know other countries are to here. Oh yeah, yeah, that's wild. Yeah, I mean, in Germany, where he's from, he was like, "That's all they do is study the modern or study the contemporaries." Right, like and almost that everyone. material. You know, right, the three M products. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and all this other glass and all the and it's like, well, we all did that. We just did it dicking around in the studio. <laughs> like we didn't do that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. We didn't do that to restore it. So. We mess around. Yeah. That's awesome. That's crazy. I mean, it's cool that y'all have you know, there's just different ways of doing things uh, you know around the, around the globe. So not a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we all, you know, there's the conferences and there's all that. There's um, the American Conservation Society and all that other stuff. But Wow. Yeah. Are you part of that? Uh, no. Okay. You have to pay for that. Oh, so it's like a little... I mean, every once in a while they'll release like a free catalog of like the minutes or the, the lectures from a year or two ago. Oh, okay. And that's basically what I can read. But yeah. A lot of it you know, is about the newest, the newest, um, materials or not really the materials, but maybe a new laser to do X, Y, Z. And it's like, well, that doesn't, wouldn't necessarily be something one that I could afford and two that's necessary for what I do. So, you know, it's, it's fascinating what they're coming up with, but a lot of it doesn't apply to your standard painting restorer. <laughs> right, right. So. No, that's nuts. I know there's an exclusive club for it, but you know, it's whatever. <laughs> that's right. Um, since you were in New York, and that's like every like artist, I've, well, most of my friends' dreams is live in New York City. Can you describe your time there before we <laughs> sure. move on? <laughs> sure. It's um, well, uh, it's it's a city, you know, yeah. and you have to be prepared before going there that you are, you know, one of a million. Yeah. And literally. Yeah. <laughs> and it is it is the busiest, it is the most amount of people you will encounter, but you run you know, you're you there will be times when it's the loneliest place because yeah. of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um but when it comes to jobs um, yeah, in your field, potentially, it is, you probably won't be getting paid for a while. Mm. And then it's, I mean, I had three or four jobs at the same time, and two of them paid me. You know, until you got past a point, and then they were like, okay, well, I guess we're going to start paying, paying. you. Know what you, you know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and... I mean, that's the restaurant business in New York, you know, it's, it's held up by theater students and artists. Exactly. So, yeah. 
So you kind of, you just sort of make do. Um, you definitely will have your group and you'll establish your community. Um, and I mean, I've always been kind of a loner anyway, so it was always just oh, okay. interesting to hang out and watch people. I mean, what better place is there to oh, yeah, just just sit on a bench and watch people? I love doing that in New York City. I love that's like my best form of entertainment is to sit on the bench wherever and just have a coffee and just literally watch. It. Yeah, love yeah. It. There's there's a whole sitcom that can happen just in yes. twenty minutes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it was it. It was definitely a fabulous experience. I I don't necessarily miss living there, but I miss my job. Mm, and that's yeah. something, I mean, that job, it doesn't exist anywhere else. You know? Yeah. That's the kind of thing. That it's, you give up whatever you have to for that job. Right. Um, and it got to the point where I, you know, I, with the gallery... Uh, my folks were getting older. They were moving the gallery. It was pretty much a nice time for me to move back into the business. Yeah. And, you know, it's always the thing where if you've been in New York for a year or if you've made it a year, then you're on to three years. If you can make it three years, you can make it six. If you can make it six... You're, you can, you're good to you're go. There, you're there. Yeah. You yeah. can probably live anywhere after that. Yeah. yeah. And I left right before six years. Uh, right before <laughs> six years. Right before it brought, it brought you in permanently. You got That's out. That's right. That's right. And I mean, it just became one of those, like, getting to work was an hour and a half. Yeah. One yeah. way. And I'm yeah. like, it's not worth it anymore for me to do this. And... But again, it was also that I needed to... And I, I remember later on, really, I think I had actually given myself a goal. And and I do... I, I, it took me a while to actually remember that I had done that. But it is the... I had given myself a goal that I wanted to work professionally, fully paid, living and working one job for four years in my job. Mm-hmm. for four years and then I would come back and I would start my own restoration studio so and I did that and I, I it must have been totally subconscious just to wow. be like flipped a switch and it was like okay yeah I'm good I'm done and Insane. and that was it and I you know it took me I was probably back in Greensboro for about two years before I was like oh shit I remember that <laughs> I told myself that I was going to leave after four years. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't be kicking myself so much. Like, I should really actually be doing what I said I was going to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, seriously, though. And, you know, and even then, I still, I've, I've pursued more art and painting since I've been back to North Carolina. Yes. And working, yeah, and working with um, the gallery and getting that sort of in a new direction. And Yeah, yeah. Then I have doing restoration, Um, but that was, you know, it's, it's kind of, I don't know. It's just interesting what, what plans, you know, mice and men, but. That's cool. I feel like here you've had a lot more time to reflect and think and do more painting and have more time 
to do more of, I guess, what you want to do, you know? Well, there's a lot less financial pressure. Financial, yeah, exactly. (laughs) The financial part, too, yeah. You know, I mean, it's really hard to pursue your dreams in New York. Like, nobody can afford to start a business there. Oh, my God. You have to have... You have to have an insane amount of capital before moving Thousands and thousands and thousands. Yeah, And, and then you also have to have... You have to have a whole network set up even before you start. But that's, it's very similar to even, it doesn't matter where you start a business. You know, you do still have to have that network of connections prior to starting a business. Because that network will help tremendously. Encouragement, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so uh, being back here... Um, Let's see, I came back in 2016, yeah, um, and I've, you know, I, I, I did, I was able to really just question and what do I really want to do? Do I really want to start another business? Do I really want to, do I just want to go right into the gallery work? Do I, you know, do I just want to be an artist? And that was coming back around to when I was a kid and going, oh, my God, I don't want to be an artist. <laughs> so it is so much. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. And, and like, how do I pursue being an artist? I've watched artists do this my entire life, and it's exhausting. But then it's not like it gets to a point where, you know, you have to. I, I didn't want to treat art as a job and yes. that is my problem like that is my stumbling block yes is that i still treat art and creating art as a hobby yeah and it definitely pays for itself you know but that in a sense it's it's stopping me from pursuing it as an actual career yeah um, but yeah, I would definitely, it's, it's those moments of realization and, oh fuck, I guess I should really, you know, what do I really want to work mm-hmm. yes. for? Yeah. And it is get up and do this from nine to five. Right. And so many of our artists and our, I mean, our artists, the, the artists at Walls Gallery, they, it is nine to five. Absolutely. And it's probably nine to five, seven days. I say, it's every single day. And it is a passion and a drive. And and it reminds me of the students in Russia where they lived and breathed art. Art, 24-7. Yeah. And if they weren't in the studio, they were outside sketching people. Right. Like they were constantly drawing. Um, And I just, I don't know. I don't know. I'd look at those people and go, oh God, where's your downtime? Like how exactly I myself, and I wonder if you're the same, like I'm scared I'll experience burnout. Oh. And I don't want to experience, that's why I'm like, trying to figure out the balance because I just started a production company oh, wow. and I'm just like, like I've got everything legal and everything and it's terrifying because I don't want this to become like a, I'm a weird, mon- or like a mundane job, eight to nine to five thing. Is a yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Everything is, everything is business. I don't want it to be like that. I want it to still be fun and 
still have you know passion behind everything I do, but it's kind of scary because it's like you, if you want to be a full time artist, you kind of have to treat it like a business. Yeah, you, you know? do. And I mean, I do think you know in that case that reminds me of some of our artists who, over the years, you know, you get you start seeing something is different in their paintings. Mm-hmm. Something's different in their work. Yeah, and it is up to a, a gallery owner, a critic. Uh, your network essentially to go uh, looks like you just lost it here Mm -hmm. and you know it's that kind of thing helps so much to prevent the burnout because it is they'll show you the red flags before you'll even notice them right and that is that's the sign of a good gallery that's the sign of a good network where they're not afraid to critique Every little thing. Right. And I mean, that's the beauty of having Megan as a studio mate. I mean, it's... Shout even though we are completely different um, uh, elements of creativity, we are still very much like... We're very straightforward. Yeah. Like, oh, that, no, don't do that. Yeah, or, I love that. Maybe you're done with that, you know? And... <laughs> And it's helpful. And that's what's so nice about having studio spaces with a bunch of other artists is that you can really, it, it hinders and it helps. The only way that it hinders is that you basically just get bogged down in the position of always being the critic mm-hmm. as opposed to being the creator. Um, and But that's also something that I struggle with just given that Again, coming back to the gallery, is that you're required to do that. You're required to look at everybody's portfolio that comes in and go, ugh. Like, oh my God, what is this? Yeah. And then, I mean, it's amazing how many times we'll get emails with somebody's portfolio and you're just like, like there's there's no response, you know, to so many of them. Right, right. But it's weird though. It's, it's one of the weird things about being an artist is the critiques is good and bad thing, but um, because obviously you don't know what the artist's their vision was for what they're creating, and maybe you just don't, maybe you don't see that, you know. So it's kind of it's, it's I, I love and hate critiques. Yeah. Because it's just for that reason. It's just like, yeah. well, man, I like it, but you know, what I was trying to get across from it is is working for me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and that's something too about creating work photography painting mm-hmm. any of it is yeah. that when it gets up on that wall and if somebody buys it it's no longer your story very true it can be very true yeah, yeah. it can 100 percent still be your story and that usually is part of you know at an opening when you actually get to meet the artist and the artist talks about that painting mm-hmm. but people will buy work because they see something familiar in it Mm, yeah and it is it's sad to see work of yours go you know in that sense because it's you know when you really think about it it's it's not yours it's it's now part of their yep their story yep and they might remember what the little gallery card said or they might remember i mean some most of our stuff, I'm sure yours does too, where you'll put like a card on the back of your work or something that yeah. might have a little blurb that explains where it is like or whatever, what or year it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that 
probably will live on the back of that for the rest of its life. Mm-hmm. But it'll be hanging on a wall. Somewhere no one's going to see it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but that's also, it's, that's the beauty to me of creating something beautiful. Yeah. Is that the beauty of it is what attracts people in general. Mm. Beauty is, and you can have beauty in horror. It's still beauty. Right. And that, that is what people are attracted to. Yes. Every time. Every time. Um, I love that. Yeah. And, and you can see it in any gallery show. I mean, you can always ask anybody who comes in, like, what's your favorite painting? No. What do you, what do you like about it? What's, what's your favorite work? What's, you know, and even the people who have rarely stepped foot in a gallery or a museum they'll still be able to explain things about a work that can correlate to even the most knowledgeable art critic. You know, it's, it's the same things that attract people. And it's the elements of design, it's composition, line, color, that depth that everybody recognizes because we're all human. Yeah, absolutely. So. That was a great explanation. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, so come come down to what you're doing now, you know, because you're paying more. You're you're blogging a little bit on your website and all that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So how? So what do you find yourself mostly painting? Um. Right now, I am working on a couple of portraits just for myself. Mm-hmm. Um. And I am working on a couple big. Um paintings of architecture and things like that. I really yes. like painting um, basically the decay. <laughs> yeah, the rundown yeah. You know, buildings. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, so much of that is just getting torn down and replaced with new stuff. And yeah. I just, again, it's the beauty of a rundown building. There's, you can always, I can paint it really well, make it look beautiful, even though it's a broken down building. Yeah, yeah. You know, and... But yeah, I mean, just just a couple portraits, and I don't know. We'll see where that takes me. I love that. I actually yeah. ran across going to Jamestown on my walk this morning. I actually ran by. I went down a random street that I haven't been down in years, and they had torn down everything. And there were some actually rundown houses. Of, I'm gonna take a photo for you tomorrow. Yeah. I'm gonna go back down there. I think you might like it as a oh, maybe a cool. reference point that you might want to paint. Yeah. But I saw it and I was like, this is crazy. It was like a house like torn in half. Oh, wow. And there was another one, like, kind of maybe like a yard away from it, whatever, that's like, it's decaying. Oh, and it was like a wow. weird, because I remember going through I there mean, as a kid. it's very dystopian. Yeah, very, know, seriously. Yeah. There's like tree limbs laying everywhere where they ran down and put oh, down the trees man. and stuff. And I was like, this this look, this section just looks insane right now. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, so I'm going to take a photo for you tomorrow. Yeah. You might, might find some, uh, yeah, that's some awesome. influence in that. Yeah, for sure. That's cool, though. I love that. You yeah, know, there's beauty in the rundown stuff too. You yes, know? yes, and that's really what I like the most about um, what I'm working on now. Is just I love that. I don't know. Just again, it's bringing something, bringing life back into something. That yeah, it's yeah. just falling apart. 
you know. That's cool. Look at you bringing painting to life and then also <laughs> painting, you know, things ending. That's right. <laughs> you know, that's, right. that's cool. That's cool. I love that. Yeah. Um, you still at the gallery with your parents and Virginia, yeah. West Virginia, West Virginia. West Virginia. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. At the Greenbrier Resort. They're Greenbrier well, they're, Resort. they used to be in there. Now they're outside, but they are, um, Walls Fine Art Gallery. Yes. Um, and Walls Fine Art. I'm going to put that down. <laughs> And we've just, you know, we're, everybody right now is sort of struggling through this shutdown. Of like, how the hell do we, do we have shows? How do we do this? Mm, yeah. Do you have virtual shows? I mean, our, our collector average age is like 60. So yeah. I'm like, they don't even know how to use that. Like, like Virtual Zoom. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. They barely get through FaceTime. But, you know, I just, it's. It'll be interesting. I mean, we're trying out as much, and really, it's not even trying it because right now we're still essentially locked down in in various. We are, yeah. In various ways, and it's like it's hard. It's really hard to try to figure out. I mean, there used to be a time when, um, back in let's see, twenty twelve, the idea was. You know, one in four contemporary galleries will even survive. Well, now it's 50% of galleries have closed. Yep. And mm. so it's even, it, it's like the minute of the minute, it just got smaller. Yeah. And it was the galleries that have been around for, like, Walls Gallery has been around for almost 30 years now. Mm, that's insane. And that's, I mean, we are a framer. We're a restorer. We are portrait painters we we provide services beyond a typical gallery with four walls right um and i mean our frames are from um they are hand carved closed corner gold leaf frames we don't sell anything else um and a lot of that I mean, a lot of that is shut down because a lot of the gold leaves came from Italy, came from France. Well, a lot of those guys, some of them, I mean, and for years now, that's it's been a slow decline in gold leaf because they're just the people who used to make gold leaf, they're dying out. Right. And the whole tradition is dying out. And it's just, it's a weird time, I think, for the tradition of, Art. Yes. Um, I think that it's shifting so much because one, people see the ease of becoming an artist and they or they see it as like, oh my god, that's a bunch of money that somebody just made for that. I you can know? do that. Yeah. Yeah. And yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh. Yes. And and it's like again, you get asked these questions all the time, at least in painting. Um, how long did it take you to paint that? Well, it took me my whole life. <laughs> Essentially, honestly, yes. Yeah. We break we break it down. Yeah, it took me all my life. Yeah. yeah. And that is something that I don't care if it's abstract paint by numbers. You're still gonna say, you know, how long did it take you? Well, all my life. Yeah. Um, but there are some things that. It's it. I don't know. It's just all really interesting. What's happening in art as far as I want to be an artist. I can be an artist. Yeah, every day. I know. Yeah. And then they do it. That's why I never get discouraged because most of the people who say it won't last. 
in my in my yeah. experience, well, from what I've seen, like before getting photography, like, oh, is the camera gonna be a camera vlog? Okay, oh, cool. yeah. You know, this, this well, and then they go it. straight into portrait work or family photography or that kind of stuff, and you're like, exactly. well, okay. Like, yeah, cool. I mean, everybody needs that. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. in my me being a portrait artist, I'm like, ugh. Mm. But everybody wants that. It's a lot faster and cheaper, right? You know, and you can get a new one every six months if you want to. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but there is still necessity in that, I do think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, yeah, well, I'm all about it. Getting arts. If you want to get to be an artist, do it. This well, yeah. Is, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Absolutely. This is not, I won't say it's an easy path. I tell everyone that was interested, it's not as easy as a lot of people kind of make it look. No, you've got you know a lot of disappointment. Yeah, a ton is almost never ending disappointment. No, <laughs> and I mean if you're if you're and I think we touched on this last time that like when you're approaching a gallery, understand that that gallery gets hundreds of these a day. A day, yeah. And you have to one, you should research the gallery, mm-hmm. see if your work even is going to fit. It's not necessarily that oh I've heard the name of the gallery or oh that gallery is local. It's no no no. You need to know whether or not your work is going to fit. Yeah. When you send them an email, make sure that that is in your intention. Mm-hmm. That I saw what's in your gallery, my work it will fit in. Right. Um, or if you're that, you know, ballsy about it, you can say I will elevate your gallery. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, but then it's it's also I mean we used to get stuff, we would get emails. And it would be link after link after link after link after link. And I'm like, I'm not going to click through all that I'm stuff. I'm not even going to look through your website. It's like a resume. This, this is, is ridiculous. Like, yeah. I'm not, we're not going to take forever to do this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And your CV, your artist statement, all that stuff should probably only be like 500 words max. max. It should be more like 120. Yeah. But I mean, nobody's going to read that either. Cut to the, <laughs> get to the point real quick. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and nobody cares about how you grew up. I mean, I just, if we want to know how your how your work is now where do you see yourself in 10 years yeah that's it seriously and and a lot of a lot of times i mean the business of art is not taught and i know that they're Mm -hmm. trying to in some universities i think um the savannah college of art Yeah. yeah is trying to teach business for artists, for creatives. I've heard of it, actually. Yeah. yeah. You may have told me that last time we talked, but Probably, I know yeah. that they're, which is not bad. I think it's great. I think it's awesome to know, because most artists don't know that part of it, that's how they fail. Yeah. Well, you know and two, I mean, a lot of artists will, they'll get bogged down, especially now with Instagram and how many followers do you have, and somehow that's important now. I don't believe that at all. Nope. should be important. Absolutely not. But some reason artists now are, are not, and I wouldn't say I'm not lumping all artists in the same boat, but there are several that are going down the path of, I need to create Instagram content. I need to create followers. I need to have stories. I need to do reels. TikTok, I need to do all, all this stuff. Yes. And it's like, FYI, 
That's not where the money is. Not at and all. And this is your job is to make money. The followers are not paying. Most of them are not paying you anything. Yeah. It's a clout. Yeah. It's a clout thing, you know. Yeah. To have, have thousands of followers. Okay, well, are your bills getting paid? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Seriously though, like that's why I love talking to people who've been in the game for a long time because some of my favorite artists around here don't even have Instagrams. They've been in the game for twenty plus years kicking ass yeah you know and those are the people you don't want to talk to it's like how are you doing this yeah yeah <laughs> and know? it's i'm not wasting four hours a day it's trying scrolling. to create content yeah exactly and then hate following everybody you exactly. know exactly like, unfollowing yeah. everybody you know yeah yeah and it's it is one of those things i mean everybody falls into that occasionally that like oh god i wish i could be doing more of this and being more present and making more videos and all this stuff. And then it's like, actually, I really don't care. You don't care at all. I really don't care. You know? And I don't know many galleries that are looking at people's Instagram feeds yeah, for work representation. I mean, they might to if they need a better idea of your portfolio or if... Um, I would say more like gallery interns. would That would probably be one of their jobs. Right. Just scroll through all these and see what they're interested in. Just see what it's about. Yeah. Um, and then that'll, I mean, it's, it's interesting. It's just what the role of social media is on quote unquote art these days is, is definitely, it's, I, I don't know. There was a time when I thought it would be really cool, you know, that everybody, I mean, even Clubhouse, like everybody was like, oh, it'll be great. And you can hear this gallery insider talk about galleries. And it's like, oh my God, that was the lamest three hours I've ever been a part of. And none of that actually qualifies for any of these quote unquote artists. Anything, like it doesn't yeah. apply. And, um, and really, the best thing to do is to actually get out there and talk to directly, directly talk to face people. to face, <laughs> make a phone call, set up a meetup, go meet people in person if you can. Yeah, I seriously. Mean, even if it's a gallery that you not necessarily your work wouldn't even fit in, but it's somebody else who's also in the art business. Yeah, talking to anybody in the art business will help you. Yes. Um, and. And even it is even more helpful to talk to somebody who is completely outside of your, like, you wouldn't approach that gallery, your work wouldn't fit in, but sometimes it's nice to talk to those people, because they will give you little tidbits that are outside of your bubble. Yeah, it's, yeah seriously. The connection alone is yeah. fantastic. Yeah. I would say most of my, you know, greatest advice comes from me, from this podcast, first of all, when I talk to artists anyways, but when I'm just... Went across like a gallery or anywhere to talk to people just about random whatevers, you know. Yeah. All of it's very beneficial. Yeah. You know, just everyone has something, everyone has something to share, you know, and just have a connection is great. So. Yeah. Yeah, in person. Yeah. I love in person. Well, what do you do when you see like if you go to a, a gallery show? Mm -hmm. What do you do, typically? Um, when I go to a show. I definitely. I mean. I definitely find the artists at some point when I get there. Um, yeah. Talk to them. Um, I'm going around usually talking to other artists there because usually there's artists there. They're hanging out too. Oh, yeah. So yeah. usually you might go to a painting or go to a photo and just kind of look at it and kind of like, you know, ask around, you know, say, hey, what do you think about this? You know, just random people. Usually yeah. they trying to be artists. Yeah. You know, and it's make connections there. And I, I, use it, I use those as social connecting events. Yes. Every single show. Yeah. Um, that's really what I do at most galleries. You yeah. You know, I was going to this, you know, this... 
you know, just meet people and, you know, see what's up. Yeah. 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 I, um, I go straight to the bar <laughs> and then from there I will try to find the owner of the gallery. Of the gallery? Oh, I didn't even, yeah. No. I didn't. And, it, well, it, actually what I'll do on the way to the bar is I will probably do a loop find my favorite couple of paintings or mm-hmm. a couple of works then go grab whatever they got and then go and find the gallery owner the owner of the gallery okay or somebody who works there yeah um and typically the easiest way to do that is they will come to you if you stand in front of one piece for a for long a time long time yeah um and then that's who then i start talking to at, you know, being interested in the work, saying what I really like, and finding out why they have this person in their gallery. In their gallery. I like that. Um, okay. Because, you know, I mean, it's just one of those... I want to know about the artist. And it's great to talk to the artist, and eventually we'll be introduced to the artist mm-hmm. at the show, but it's more... Why did the gallery choose this person? Yes. What can the gallery tell me about this person? Yes. Um, and then that, and and I approach gallery events from two different stand. Like I either approach it as a collector or I approach it as an artist. If I approach it as an artist, then it is I might ne- not want to talk to just somebody who works there i want to talk to the owner the owner um and i don't necessarily want to talk to the artist i want to talk to the owner Mm. i want the owner to know that i'm interested in this gallery too yes and then making enough of a an impression then if i'm approaching as a collector i also want to talk to the gallery owner just in the sense of how much do you know about this person right and this work and where is this artist in their in their career are they older are they younger are they you know how long have they been painting how long have they been a photographer how long have they been working mm, at this I like that. um and then it's typically followed up by um you know does this artist produce reproductions that's always one of my questions as a right you're talking about that last time about yeah. reproductions yeah yeah, yeah 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 so i mean reproductions have a tendency to um hold the hold the value of the original work down yeah um so that's something that as a collector you're sort of like eh, that's a red flag Ooh, okay so Interesting. I didn't think about the vine yeah. the owner. I might have to think about that now. Just to pick pick their brain. Yeah. 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 That's and, cool. And it's definitely. I mean, it, there's there's benefits to networking those parties for sure mm. as an artist. But the only people that are there are, like you said, other artists because they're always there, mm-hmm. or collectors. Yeah. And that is what you want to establish as being part of your network, you know, more than anything. Absolutely. Not only the artists, artists are friends, the collectors are who's going to pay your bills eventually. I have been changed now. That is awesome. That's actually <laughs> great advice. 
Yeah. Hope y'all are listening. <laughs> Want to make some money? Go to these gallery openings, and you know when the world open back, opens back up, you know. At some point. Yeah, no, I actually have a show in June here. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. Where is it? Um, it's at the Green Bean. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I have a show there, and um, I'll keep the date uh, on the low right now, but <laughs> so I can get everything set yeah. up. But yeah, um, I was approached last month, so oh, nice. I had contract and everything. My first time doing that. Good. Yeah, it'd be cool. Good. Yeah, it'd Good. Be, I'm excited I'm about it. I'm surprised they had a contract. Actually, I'm not because yeah. they do that before, right? Yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did it before. Um, I've been there a thousand times. It's never been asked to do a show, so I'm stoked. That's awesome. Yeah. That's excited. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully by then, uh, you know, vaccines are going around and everything, and it'll be a lot more safer out there. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. 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 That's but, awesome. Yeah. Cool deal. Yeah. This is great. I kind of like, like this one better Round than the last two? one. Yeah, I kind of like this one better. I don't know because that was that was some good advice with the gallery <laughs> thing. I'm gonna keep that in my noggin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, cool deal. So you said painting now. You're taking commissions. Oh yeah. Okay. Yes. Taking yeah. commissions. Um, you're doing restorations. You're doing portraits. Yeah. Animal portraits. You also do people are sitting in for you if they want yeah. to for those kind of sessions as well. So you're open. You're out there. Uh huh. I love yeah. it. Drop your social media so we can um. So in, let's see, Instagram at Natalie Marshall underscore art. Mm-hmm. Um, find me on Facebook, I guess. Although I'm barely on Facebook these days. Mm-hmm. Is anybody on Facebook these days? Dude, I, you know what? I randomly get on there. Not <laughs> often because I just do not care about Facebook. Yeah. But I would say yes and no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just Natalie Marshall. I don't know how you sift through everything to find me, but. We'll find. I'll, I'll make sure I link it. Yeah, <laughs> I'll definitely link your social medias. Your yeah, not Facebook. I think yeah. Facebook is kind of more personal. But um, and uh, website ripsandtears.com. Yes, absolutely. This has been so great. Round yeah, two. Thank you. There won't be a round three. I promise. I'm going to make sure <laughs> I hold on to this file and upload it tonight. Um, but absolutely, thank you for doing this. Thanks this for having so me. This is so cool. Drop some jewels on us. You know this what I'm saying? Awesome. Um, but yeah, we'll definitely be seeing you around. I, I want to sit in for you one day. So we yeah. talk about that. So I want to do that for you. That'd It'd be, be cool awesome. for me. I've, I've always wanted to do that. Cool. Absolutely. Cool. Well, you're the best in the world. Thank you for doing this, and uh, we'll talk soon. Absolutely. Later. Thank you. Cool. The Free Pizza Podcast. We are on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud. Just go on the Google App Store. Go on everywhere. Check us out on Instagram, Facebook, MySpace, Live Journal, Twitter. We tweet. We'll do smoke sniggles. Whatever y'all need. Thank y'all so much. Have a good night.